Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everyone, you're about to check out part two of our two-part discussion on Ellie. If you haven't already, we definitely encourage you to listen to part one because the conversation picks up right where Leo and I left off. Anyways, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this. Yeah, so uh, the final flashback scene um, was uh, the night before the game actually starts. Yeah. Uh, there was a big old hoedown in the Yee-haw. town. <laughs> the Jackson get down. Jackson get down. <laughs> with a probably, everyone. <laughs> with probably a crazy assortment of, of records, but, um, <laughs> you know, they... <laughs> They're having this party. They had this really cool E3 um, cutscene or E3 game trailer that was basically this this whole thing where Ellie is at this party hanging out. We don't know she's what's going on, but she's just hanging out. Dina shows up, uh, rubs her face on Ellie's because she's all sweaty, and <laughs> uh, yep. things get a little bit. Um, I don't know. Things get emotional between them, I guess, or romantic, and. Uh, Dina kisses Ellie. Yeah. It leaves Ellie shocked. This is after Ellie was talking to Jesse, uh, Dina's ex-boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tough look for Jesse, by the way, where she's like, you have a, ch- like, uh, you'll be back together soon. <laughs> Cut to <laughs> making out with his girlfriend in front of him. <laughs> but like after, so after the kiss, you know, we get uh, this jerk sandwich shop guy. Seth. Yeah. <laughs> old bastard seth the shitty sandwich seth guy um you know makes a really crappy homophobic comment about you know what happened between dina and ellie because he's a prude even though in a world where you have to worry about being eaten alive by mushroom people this guy decides that like you know what let's just be homophobic (laughs) also let's bring this back world isn't hard enough let's have some bigotry too yeah Solid. That's the one thing from pre-CBI that, like, I brought here, guys. Some bigotry <laughs> in a steak sandwich. <laughs> and so, and so um, Joel uh, pushes him away. Like, Joel isn't, you know, even though they're not talking, Joel isn't having that shit. Yeah. As he should. And so, he, you know, he stood up to Seth and, you know, knocked him down a peg, put the fear of God in him. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember who the the woman the woman's name, but she's like kind of encourages seth to back up (laughs) i'm just thinking like yo seth if you saw half the shit i did in the last game you would back up (laughs) this is joel fucking miller (laughs) but you know he he does this and you know that puts him in in front of ellie again like he's like ooh, you know we haven't spoken forever and she fucking hates me yeah and she's just like i didn't ask for your help yeah and then she leaves 
I hope I'm not alone in this, but listeners out there, did any of you think this was like the last moment that they spoke? Because I thought that was the last thing she ever said to him before he dies, because this is the day before the game starts and he dies that night. So I was thinking, I didn't ask for your help. Can you imagine if that was the last thing she ever said to him? Oh, God, I gasped. I was like, this is heart. This is beyond heartbreaking. This is terrible. There is a follow-up scene. Thank the Lord. Uh, There is a follow-up scene where they have more of a conversation that night. And it's not to full reconciliation, but yeah, that's the ending of that scene. And and that's what we get before we jump back to, uh, back to kind of present day. And so, you know, like you mentioned, the the next, um, the very next patrol, Joel is unfortunately murdered by Abby. And it sets off the chain of events that is The Last of Us 2. And it's, you know, it's absolutely crushing because the final blow was also delivered in front of Ellie as she tried to help Joel. I mean, talk talk about the embodiment of lacking agency, right? Being physically held down by like four people as the closest person in the world to you, even if you haven't been speaking for a couple of years, he's still basically dad. And you just the night before you know, have this touching moment on a porch with him where you say, you know, I can't forgive you, but I'd like to try. And then that day you're talking to Dina about, oh, we're going to do a movie night. Like, oh my God, what an impactful thing that I didn't even know was impactful when I first heard it. To watch him be murdered. And she's she goes from encouraging Joel to stand up because she believes in him, reassessing, understanding the situation, begging them not to kill him because he's clearly not standing up. And then once they kill him, into this blind rage of I'm going to kill you all. And that's when she's knocked unconscious. Like, Oh God, that, that emotional journey is just, uh, it's too much. But, you know, immediately she wants, she wants revenge. And the, the thing that happens is they also, you know, same thing. They take that agency away from her. Tommy is like, give me a day. Let me talk to uh, Maria. And then, Tommy dips right <laughs> by himself to go and get revenge. The thing that they both wanted so badly. And Tommy even tells Maria in the note, like, you know, maybe lock her up because yeah. she's going to try to go. God, what a pattern. <laughs> what a pattern this <laughs> becomes. Yeah, like Tommy was literally like, yeah, lock her up. Maria was like, no. And because, like, like I, I would lock you up. I really think it's dumb that you guys are, do, you know, like, I don't think it's dumb. I understand why you guys are doing it. But I think you're putting your life on the line right, right, right. For, for something that you don't fully understand yet. Uh, but I'm going to let you go do this because I need you to get my dumbass husband back. That's such a good point. Tommy really does, in that moment, fall into the same pattern of, you have feelings, I hear your plan, I respect your decision to do this thing. Uh, nope. <laughs> right, right. Like, you're hurting just as much as I am because I hadn't seen my brother in years. But fuck it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Basically, just like, fuck it. I'm going to go. You stay here. Possibly go to jail. And we set off on this quest. And um, the beginning of the game is just processing. You're right, processing. Right. And you get it from her from her journal. like. You just see that 
she's you know she's writing these song lyrics that she's got mostly crossed out and they're just about Joel. Uh, it's about you know seeing his his bludgeoned face when she sleeps, and and then there's there's this other interesting portion, and she says like. Uh, we saw a pack of wild horses today. They were skittish. Then Dina offered them some of the fruit we collected. They ended up following us for a bit. I wish I had a camera. I've never seen her smile so wide. For like a half a day, I wasn't thinking about the WLF or Joel. Feeling guilty about that now. Ugh, you see, like, yeah. those feelings those those feelings of happiness with Dina were somewhat suppressing the that feeling of of guilt and anger and frustration and that need to kill and i mean she she won't even let herself step away from the anger and the hatred you know she has this talk with with tommy before they go out on this trip where she says if it were you or i who were killed joel would already have been halfway to seattle by now and yep. it's this idea of joel that she has in her head it's like it's so tragic because again she's she's kind of operating with this script of well i've got to i've got to be angry i've got to want revenge i've got to do it and on this one day where dina's stoked that she sees some horses she's like oh i'm so happy that oh no i can't be happy i'm not allowed to be happy right now because i lost joel it's like it's just this terrible feedback cycle which is so sad and i was also going to say really quickly that the journal is such a vibrant part of Ellie's growth in this game. You know, we talk about her exterior being cool, calm, and collected. And for the most part, with Dina, she'll say things like, I'm going to make them pay. But she says that kind of in a collected way. She, she's kind of projecting this, this confidence. I know where I'm going. We're not lost. You know, and they're even bantering. And they're having, there are times when I'm like, oh, this is a fun vacation <laughs> that I'm taking with yeah. this like new relationship. That's fun. But then you look in the journal and you see these entries, exactly to your point, Lawrence, where the song lyrics are like the the height of melodrama because she's feeling that. She's feeling just this bottomless pit of anger and anguish, and she's not really expressing that outwardly, which also coincidentally sets up Dina not really understanding what Ellie's going through in, in these kind of pivotal moments. So, yeah, no, that journal entry is... is so sad to think that she's feeling regret or guilt about just being happy for a moment, you know, even though that's what Joel would want. Joel would want her to move on, be happy, you know? It's, right. Gosh. And, and I, and ironically, that's the one, the reason he, he's been lying to her. Right. You know, right he lied to right. her for a, he just wanted her to move on and enjoy a life. He didn't want her to carry that guilt of, of surviving and just being herself. And like, since, they were never really, I mean, you know, since they weren't able to really approach that until later on, like, she always has had something, some sort of guilt of some kind that's just looming over her. And now she's got the guilt of not being able to save Joel and the guilt of not being able to stop until everybody who was involved is dead. Right. We also see in her quest for vengeance and anger, clearly part of this is her enacting the violence and her enacting the retribution when they find the first recognizable member of the the jackson crew she voices like oh dang i didn't get to do it <laughs> you know yeah and this is really part of the problem she doesn't want justice in the 
global sense of the idea. She wants to be the deliverer of this retribution, which she yeah. believes, for for reasonable reasons, she she believes they deserve. And it's tough, but that's also we, Tommy is ahead of them, right? Tommy's a couple of days ahead of them. He's already kind of sowing some chaos amongst the WLF crew. And yet she still will need, she she still feels and expresses this need to be there on the front line actually pulling the trigger and actually using her knife to to right this wrong, which again isn't really even a wrong because everyone's just kind of it, it's all still reactive. It's still in this place of anger and reaction and retribution and revenge without really being guided by that clear mind that she had before Joel's death. Yeah. And it only it only gets worse right, from right. from there. Because again, Dina is still here at this point. She's you know, she's not hanging back in the um in their little base that they have set up. So like she can still provide be that like voice of reason to Ellie. And she's like, you know, she can get through and be like, come on. Even that moment that Ellie snaps at Dina, where she says, Well, now you are a burden after hearing that Dina's pregnant. What a thing to say to someone you love. And I get that she's saying that kind of out of shock because you're, you're like, new girlfriend is pregnant. That's crazy. I think I'm pregnant. What? Don't worry, it's not yours. <laughs> what are we... What are we supposed to do now? Nothing. I just need to rest for a second. Are you fucking kidding me? How long have you known? It was late a few weeks ago. A few weeks? We could have... We could have still turned back. I didn't know... I wasn't sure, okay? I didn't want to be a burden. Well, you're a burden now, aren't you? It's really like, man, I don't know of an earlier time that Ellie really like says something that hurtful to Dina. And then when she makes the decision, hey, Dina, you should stay here. Keep tracking them. You know, stay safe. I'll go out. I'll get them. It's fine. Like, I'll go. It's cool. This sets up this dynamic where Ellie, exactly to your point, Lawrence, Dina's the voice of reason. <laughs> Dina's the one out in the field going, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll deliver justice, but, you know, we don't have to be so mad about it. So now that Dina is back at the, the theater, we have this primed scene for Ellie to do some really, really tough shit. You know, like when she's like interrogates one of Abby's friends, that's a brutal moment. Where's Abby? I'm fucking dead anyway. Why would I tell you anything? <laughs> I can make it quick or I can make it so much worse God, that really is 
this descent into just hatred and violence as a means to accomplishing her goals. And I think, I don't know for sure, I think if Dina had been there, Ellie would not have done that. I think Ellie would have found another way or they would have found a solution together. I really think that Dina and Ellie separating allowed Ellie to kind of more quickly fall into these desperate, violent means. And she got super sloppy. Yeah, that too. Like yeah. the the reckless, Nora, right? the Nora, yeah, the, she was super reckless. The Nora kill was really, really reckless. Like, I don't think that she would have pushed her into like that pit where the infected were. And then like just that scene where she just beats her and beats her and beats her with that pipe. It's like enough, you know? And we see her like shaking again, total testament to the animation quality of this game. The way that her hand is shaking as she's like opening the theater door and being welcomed back into the warmth by Dina is visceral. <laughs> like I can feel the exhaustion and the shock of her own actions that she's sort of exhibiting. It's so detailed. And like you think that savagely beating somebody with a pipe uh, will quench your bloodlust. <laughs> but not Ellie. <laughs> Always quenches mine, but no, clearly not enough for her. So it gets, yeah, it, she gets much worse. She dives deeper into this, this, this now bloodlust. Then just the worst, one of the worst scenes in this game happens. Oh yeah. Yeah. So she goes at, she finds L, uh, Owen and Mel and Mel is pregnant. We'll say, doesn't recognize that Mel's pregnant quite yet. And yes, I yes. will say Mel's wearing a big jacket. I, w I will say I was sympathetic to Ellie in this scene because, frankly, I mean, she should have known that like keeping the gun raised would not like encourage confidence and in her intent not to hurt them. But, you know, Ellie says, I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to know where Abby is. And Owen and like Mel is like, yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, Abby sucks. Yeah, I'll tell her exactly where she is. <laughs> like, she's also allergic to peanuts. Here's a bag of peanuts. Like, you're good. Go for it. <laughs> Owen's Owen's the one who's like, I'm gonna take action and I'm gonna, I'm gonna save the day. Oh, I died. Oh no. And then, <laughs> no, of course, this no. begins this unstoppable moment that leads to uh, Ellie killing a pregnant lady. <laughs> and uh, Ellie didn't make the decision to to have that moment become violent it was really owen acting and ellie reacting and then it's mel acting and ellie reacting and then mel is dead in front of her and right on the tail of learning that dina is pregnant and 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 having this sense of i need to protect her now that she's you know, the miracle of life to have killed a woman a pregnant woman unintentionally it's it's devastating. It's like like yeah, you're I mean you're so right. This is really one of the hardest scenes to watch play out. I mean, she's basically carried out by Tommy. Like she's not doing well. Cuz I just imagine that she just instantly sees Dina. Right. Yeah. And it's like how the hell can I face Dina who's pregnant, you know, knowing what I've done by accident now. Like she's starting to feel the 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 effects of her vengeance. Right. The fill of the effects of her pursuit. Like this, uh, we talked about this before we started, but this addiction, this addiction to vengeance, like this is like her first hard crash. Yeah. But this also, uh, again, Abby finds Owen and Mel, and Abby doesn't see the situation. Abby doesn't see Ellie's side of it. So this spurns Abby into 
vengeance again into this reactive cycle because they are both very much caught up in these these sort of um, cyclical experiences. Abby and Lev track Ellie back to the theater, and Abby kills Jesse, which sucks because Jesse is one of the best characters. And, of course, also shoots Tommy in the head. Uh, twist, Tommy doesn't die. Maybe it would have been better for everyone if he had. Not that I have any <laughs> issue with Tommy as a character, but Jesus, dude, read the room and whatever. <laughs> doesn't matter. We'll talk about it. Uh, and thus the cycle continues because, of course, Abby nearly kills Dina as a sort of like, well, you killed Mel who was pregnant, so I'm going to kill Dina. Good. Glad she's pregnant so that when I kill her, it's even more heartbreaking for you. But Lev is oh, there. Oh, yeah. And, and we see this sort of what could have been if Dina had been there with Ellie, maybe Owen and, and Mel wouldn't have died. You know, this balancing force. Lev being there saves Dina's life and Abby is convinced to leave them be and say, you know, never, I never want to see you again. But yeah, Ellie survives this encounter. She yeah. survives certain death. And her and uh, Dina go and settle down. They get that nice little farmhouse yeah. somehow that they were talking about. They gather some farm animals, and uh, Dina uh, gives birth to uh, JJ. Yeah, they did it. You're sitting on the tractor. God, that sky. <laughs> so beautiful when she's sitting on the tractor with JJ. Just looking out. It's just so perfect. So And... To see all of the little artifacts from Joel's house that have now moved to this new house and to see this like little glimpses of the life that they've built up together, you know, dancing in the kitchen, putting music on the what was that? The uh, record player, you know, routine. And and you start like, you know, what I, I felt in that situation, you know, go laddering up to this this you know this point we keep bringing up agency is like. This is something that she wanted to do. They talked about it. Yeah. Dina was like, you know, I had this idea. And, you know, uh, Ellie was like, that's kind of nice. I'd, I'd do that. Like, so, you know, after all this shit, after all this senseless killing, after all this anger and death and whatever, you get the farm. You guys are happy. You got the kid. Life is good. End credits. Yeah. Thanks, Neil Druckmann. <laughs> <laughs> the and and that's where I stopped playing. Great game, ten out of ten. But this is also this is the same thing as before. It looks perfect. It looks so ideal. It looks like everything you could want. But we see this scene where the barn door slams shut, and clearly Ellie is not okay. Come on, little dude. Home. Home. 
Breathe, breathe. Okay, okay. I'm gonna take him, okay? Clearly, Ellie is not okay. And whether or not she's been fully sharing with Dina, like clearly Dina is, is practiced in responding to this. Dina's not going, oh my God, what's happening? Dina knows now kind of what, what Ellie is maybe going through a little bit. But this perfect life that we've just given, been given a few minutes to explore is another facade for Ellie, as I understand it, right? And though they have a lot of the boxes checked, things that they wanted and that they kind of fantasized and dreamed about together, Ellie is like not sleeping. She's really living this tortured life. Yeah. Feeling absolutely awful because she, you know, her, her, um, that obsession isn't gone. It's not gone. She's just kind of burying it and maybe trying to distract herself from it, but it's not gone and it's eating her from the inside. And it's really like, I don't know. It was a very visceral scene because again, I wanted her to stay, but did I really want her to stay if it meant slowly going mad? No, of course not. Yeah, because she was having, you know, she's experiencing some pretty strong PTSD, like a, a rake fell and she went into that panic. Right. She doesn't have closure. She doesn't let this, you know, she's just living in, in, in like, this is no, this is like a more intensified version of going from the hospital to Jackson, you know? Ellie wasn't able to live guilt free just from doing nothing in the first place. Right. But right. like, now that you've given her a specific task and it's not necessary, it's not been completed. And by all accounts to her, it probably feels like she just failed. It's crushing her. And then, of course, you get Tommy pulling up <laughs> on his fucking horse, <laughs> turn into a jackass. Reagan easy. Forget about her. You sitting all comfy way out here? Hey. I'll make her pay. Tommy. That's what you said when we got back to Jackson. Tommy. What a joke. Can you take him, please? Yeah. Here. I got you. I got you. Hey. What the fuck was that? Tommy comes in with some really shitty Jimmy Cooper like energy <gasps> and just forces Ellie and and he doesn't here we go again with this fucking agency stuff because he doesn't let her say no. We start off this quest with Tommy not letting her freaking go. Bro. And then we yeah. end this quest with Tommy not letting her say no. It's like, Tommy, what the fuck, man? Stop. You know, Tommy's lost everything at this point. Yeah. He's like, it's yeah. Tommy is. He's had a hard time. Some, it's true. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, he's like, you know, you said you wanted to do this. So, like, now you got to do it because I can't do it, obviously. And it's almost like he's blaming her. Right for his condition and not the fact that he chose to do this and like left her behind <laughs> and i mean in, in all intents and purposes like she kind of had to she kind of had to but she yeah. should have been able to make that decision on her own right 
not I, being forced into it. You're so right. I mean, again, one of those when it cut to California and you're playing as Abby and then you cut to Ellie in California, I had that moment of like, do I really want to be here doing this? But then I, when I ultimately thought about it, like, would her story have been done? Would she have been healthy and happy? And, you know, would it have been a complete arc for Ellie? Like, would Ellie be right. in a good place if she didn't follow this through? So, yeah, it's it's tough. You're so right, man. Tommy might be the villain of this game. <laughs> this game doesn't have a villain, yeah. but clearly Tommy's the villain. <laughs> All right. We're going to keep this conversation going. But first, a quick break. Beyond the stars, an ancient secret beckons. Armies clash and fight for dominance, unaware of the part they are playing in cosmic destiny. Among the chaos, one soldier, the Master Chief, stands for hope and becomes a beacon for all humanity. Hello, I'm Connor, a regular producer here on Lore Party. Join me and my co-host Jaden as we explore the world of Halo. Come with us as we jump into the intricate stories behind the games, explore the many thrilling adventures that take place throughout the setting, dissect the ethical quandaries that arise during futuristic interstellar conflict, and much more. To find our series, simply search for Halo in your Lore Party feed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the great journey. We, we make it to California. We get there, and uh, we we make it to California five minutes after Abby gets captured. Psych. Psych. <laughs> yeah. Super psych. Uh, but we, we make it to, you know, we make it to California. We get caught in a weird-ass trap. That sucked. Um, that sucked. When she gets stabbed in the side by the tree, I was like, really? This is how the game is? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And then we encounter Guy Fieri. <laughs> <laughs> yo flavortown did, was not treating him well dude that yeah that was like she took him to flavortown odd fat guy fieri with his car with his camo shorts on and you know we had to we had to trick his buddy into getting eaten that was a was, good move which was that was a good move that was clean i like that, that was that, that was awesome so we got you know we, we we finally bring ourselves from this trap and uh we find out that yeah, they captured uh, Abby like three months ago. <laughs> and Abby and Lev, like, yeah. yeah, I was like, oh shit, it's been a long time. And Abby and Lev are slaves. What? <laughs> slaves. Yeah, like, That's like, whoa. Another thing that this post-apocalyptic world really, you know, if you're going to bring anything to the post-apocalyptic world, let's focus on positive things, people. The the like homophobia and slavery. Really could have left those pre-CBI, frankly. (laughs) We're just basically talking about a group of people that are effectively starving other people into forced labor camps. Uh, Yeah. So Ellie makes her way into the slave camp and frees a bunch of people who are imprisoned as slaves who tell her where to go to find Abby. So she goes there and... Down, down by the pillars, Indic. Your your thought was when you come here, Abby just is, is escaping because you know we've seen Abby. Abby can get out anything. She's fucking strong. She's yeah. resourceful. Yeah, she's got Lev. You come down here, and what you see is 
a completely malnourished Abby. Abby goes from like being very, very muscular and strong to like skinny as hell. Yeah. Sickly skinny. And Lev is just down to the bone, basically. Right. And so you think after traveling this far, after going through this, after seeing this person who's caused you this great pain and suffering, you just <laughs> say, fuck it. It's not worth it. Like has they been got a month what they for, deserve. Has been a slave for three months. <laughs> three fucking months. They got what they deserve. Like, I mean, like effectively, how many times, how, when can you say in life, like someone who's greatly wronged you, that has happened. Yeah. That, that is like, if, yeah. if, if, if there was going to be karmatic justice for someone, it was like, boom, bang, kapow. But it wasn't her choice for that to happen to her. So it's not good enough. Right. Yes. hundred percent. It's it's brutal because, you know, we were talking about this uh, a little earlier and Ellie is such the villain in this scene. Like there's no defending. You find someone who's been a slave for the last three months. You cut them down. They're they're sickly. The last time you saw them, they were probably like 200 pounds solid muscle. And now they're like yeah. 115 pounds. Like she's so just shriveled up and, and, and sickly and just and granted. When the fight starts, you know, when she says, I'm going to kill Lev if you don't fight me. And Abby goes, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I don't want Lev to die. Sure. Let's fight. When she launches herself into that first attack, credit where credit is due, that's a ferocious first attack. Like, I went from, this is going to be so sad, you know, putting down a, a sad, sickly animal. And then, holy shit, Jesus, it's a fight. It's a real fight. But it's also yeah. one that Abby has no chance of winning against ellie yeah and ellie has to know in that moment that she's on the wrong side of it you know threatening a child a sleeping child with a knife so you you know you have to fucking fight her and you do it and you're basically just she bites off your finger two of your fingers and you're just holding her underwater like ah, i'm gonna drown her and i'm like seriously in tears like please dear god right and we just have this flashback yeah it's the briefest of flashes right she's got abby under the water she sees this moment that the heartbreaking final moments that she has with joel before she goes to bed you know the night before the game starts uh before she sleeps in uh to, to jesse's chagrin but this brief flash of him looking at her from this scene and it's so important because, you know, again, this is the flash. This flash of him on that porch is what pulls her back from the precipice of killing Abby. It's a, it's an inspiration maybe for her to start claiming that that agency that is so often taken from her in this moment that it would be so easy to just keep on with the violence and, and kill Abby. But it, it pulls her back. Oh, let's take him. So, yeah, 
Ellie is Ellie's back back at the farmhouse. Dina's put all of her belongings in one room. And as she kind of looks at her belongings, right, these remnants of the life she left behind, she picks up the guitar and we have this moment where she, you know, you try to do the swipey thing on the control pad and t- to play guitar and it just doesn't really work because, you know, turns out fingers are important for playing guitar. Um, but this thing, this guitar that was so much of, of, you know, Joel gave it to her, the moth on the fret board of the guitar is is why she got the moth tattoo to cover the bite mark you know this this guitar is a big part of her life and it it really symbolizes everything that joel was for her which is good and bad to neil Druckmann's point the positive and the negative sides to love and what we do in in the name of love and we get this final cutscene that we've talked about a couple of times but just to to reiterate it's this moment where she has this final reconciliation-ish with Joel after the uh, scene with Seth, right? Which was the first time that they had spoken in, like, two years. You're such an asshole. I'm not trying to... I was supposed to die in that hospital. My life would have fucking mattered. But you took that from me. Somehow the Lord gave me a second chance at that moment. I would do it all over again. I just... I don't think I can ever forgive you for that. But I would like to try... So they have this talk. Joel talks about the coffee. You know, they, I mean, they kind of dodge around the topic of Dina kissing her. (laughs) In any case, it's this really heartfelt moment. It's again, it's one of my favorite scenes in the, in the game. And it, it wraps up in a lot of ways, the, the final moments that she has with Joel before seeing him in the basement. And it, it basically gets us to a place where now we've seen almost the whole picture. We've seen almost the whole picture of their journey together. And it leads us into this final moment where Ellie puts the guitar down, she grabs her little backpack, leaves everything behind, and leaves the building. And we see her walking into the forest away from this farmhouse that she had. And it's so, again, I've used the word too many times in this episode, but I'll use it again. It's poignant. It's really, it's got some real power to it, that scene. And left purposefully up to the interpretation of the gamer, 
of what's happening next, but really, uh, clearly the, the end of a chapter. Yeah. And she finally, she's finally getting to, you know, have some agency in her life and make these, make these decisions. She, you know, she's decided to move forward and wherever she goes, I'd like to think that Ellie is, uh, she's doing that, you know, she's moving forward. As we, as we kind of come to an end of this lengthy recap, but, but kind of interspersing some analysis, what, what do you think about the arc of Ellie's story? You know, some people have suggested that it would have been better if she had stayed with Dina, you know, work through it, do some post-CBI counseling and therapy. Some people have suggested it would be better to kill Abby so that Abby's dead and there isn't this kind of temptation to continue that feud. How are you feeling about that? I feel like this arc for Ellie was actually great. Oh, sure. um, we're seeing a lot of the same themes that we saw for with Ellie in the first game where in terms of like her attachments to people. But I, I feel like the way this game wraps up, it was so good and it made so much sense that she didn't kill Abby and she didn't necessarily just go and run back to Dina because I think that the, the events of the end of the game show us that there's been this sort of like emotional, spiritual rebirth mm. where she's finally been able to move on and she's finally been able to make the decision on her own. Right. You know, gone are the people who make decisions for her. The people that prevented her from making decisions aren't around anymore. It's just her. And I think it needs to be her because I think like she wasn't able to do that for so long. So I, I, I think it makes sense. Like, she decided to not kill Abby. Nobody yelled, "Hey, stop!" Right? right. Yeah. Great you know, point. Yeah. That that was that was her her doing all on her own. Um. You know, she came back. She put down the guitar. She remembers Joel in um in a way where it's not like there's not this negativity tied to it because even in the best scenes, the best of Joel, it always wrapped up so negatively. There's always a question about you're lying to me or you're doing this. Right. Yeah. This last, you know, this last memory of Joel is like he just cared and he did what he did because good or bad, he did it because that was his decision. Right. Now I'm able to go out and make mine. You know, I found myself as as the game was ending, I found myself going, you know, at each step of the way, I'd go, "Come on, this is enough." You know, and please, so much sadness, so much suffering. I'm tired of crying, <laughs> please. But I also then would immediately, I would catch myself and I'd go, would I really feel satisfied if Ellie's story ended here? So I, I, I think I, yeah, I'm 100% in agreement. It's the whole thing, her whole journey from the moment in Boston through the first game and through, you know, American Dreams and through Left Behind, there's a lot of Ellie being subject to the whims of others and being pushed around and having choices taken from her. And that realization that Joel was not this violent, lying, I mean, he's a violent, lying person, but he was a violent, lying person who really, exactly to your point, at the end of the day, loved her, loved her so much. And it is still, you know, I could see someone arguing that it still took a memory of Joel to pull her back from that precipice. 
But I think it's also a good reminder that we don't do anything alone. You know, we don't truly make decisions 100% in a void. And the fact that it was this new dimension to his character that she was letting into her heart, that he was someone who had agency and that he made these decisions and would stand by them. I do think that you're totally right about this kind of idea of rebirth. She's in a square one position now of she can move forward and make decisions. And the people that she meets and the communities that she joins or the you know experiences that she has, we can be sure that she's learned a lot over the last you know six, seven years. And we'll go forward with a strong sense of agency and, and making her own decisions. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party and check out our YouTube page for bonus videos and highlights. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.